0: Hello, my name's Steph. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, We've just come to the end of a huge series on the book of Ephesians in the Bible. How many months did it take us, guys? About eight, six, eight, I don't know. But we're at the end of that. We're starting a new uh, series today. And um, many people say that the Bible contradicts itself. Many people say that the, the, the truth that is in the Bible is contradictory. Now, the reality is this. The truth that is in the Bible often leaves us in a position where we are introduced to something, introduced to something else, and we're not quite sure how those two things hold together. Let me give you an example. The Bible teaches that God is sovereign. What that means is, is that God has all power. God knows the end from the beginning. God is never taken by surprise. He is over all things. Um, You know, how things are going to work out are of no surprise to Him. We're not in a place of insecurity. How's it going to work out? God is sovereign over all things. The Bible is clear on that. The Bible is also clear that we are responsible for our actions. We are accountable for our actions. What we do in life makes a difference. Our prayers move the heart of God. Our prayers make a difference. Our actions have consequences. If we do things that work for righteousness and truth, there are good consequences. If we act in ways that are negligent or evil, there are bad consequences. The Bible says both those things are true. Now, how they come together, the finer details of how those things work, we don't know. But what we do know is this, if we only embrace one of those things, then the way you live starts to be crooked. The way you go about things, doesn't, doesn't, you don't grow right. You look like one of those trees that grow and you think, man, what happened there? Something's odd about it. It's not proportioned. It's not right. As you embrace both of those truths, even though you know, you don't quite know how every detail joins, but as you embrace both, the growth is right, true and healthy. Now, there are many, many different kinds of teachings in the Bible where you have to learn to walk in what we would call attention. It's just the reality of the Christian life. The Bible says that those things that have been revealed are for our good so that we can learn how to walk in a godly way and be fruitful. There are secret things that haven't been revealed. They belong to God. So we're not into speculations and trying to tie everything up with our own ingenuity. We're saying, Lord, what have you revealed? We're embracing it, and as a result, watch the fruit that comes. (laughs) <laughs> okay. The, as you embrace biblical truth and, and trust God and obey in it watch the fruit that comes uh, God, God is well able to show himself faithful to his word even though you can't work out every finer detail of how this thing is working it's not contradictory but there's a tension now in this new series that we are going to do for, for, for the next five weeks we're going to have to learn to live in a very, very real tension um, in order to get it right this uh, series is what we're calling the series. What we're calling running partners. Now, um, it's just the word we use as a church to describe the small-scale settings where believers get together—maybe two, three, four, maybe a five people. It's a smaller setting where we get together and we help one another, we encourage one another, we sharpen one another in our Christian life. Now, we call it running partners because one of the illustrations the Bible uses when talking about the Christian life is that of a race. There are many different illustrations. One of them is that of a race. And so we say, well, look, wouldn't it be a wise idea to get together with others who perhaps would run at a similar pace and encourage each other on the Christian journey? That's what we mean by the term running partners. And we want to do uh, some sessions on it, even on a Sunday. We would never have given five weeks on a Sunday to something like this before, but we feel it's so important that we really want to give high profile to it, or even videoing the sermons, um, so that if you're not here, and that doesn't mean don't come for the next few weeks, right? But if you're, not, if you're not here, you can access it, because going forward, we want it to be a resource to really, really help you. Now, there's a tension when it comes to running partners. Here's the tension, okay? Two spiritual truths. Number one, the Bible teaches this, that in the age we live in, the Holy Spirit has been poured out in such a powerful way, the Bible says, that you don't have, you have to say to someone else, another believer, know the Lord, because they'll know the Lord you haven't got to teach them how to know the Lord when someone knows the Lord they have a relationship with God and and even the Apostle John in the Bible goes as far as saying you have no one you'd have no need for anyone to teach you because you have an anointing from the Holy Spirit that abides in you he lives in you and he will teach you all things I mean really quite um extreme things are said The Bible says that in the last days, the days we live in, the Holy Spirit will be poured out on all flesh. Men, women, old, young, rich, poor, all those barriers have gone. The Spirit is poured out on everyone. It's an extraordinary age we live in. This is what Jesus has bought for us. There's another spiritual truth which says this. (laughs) Jesus says things like, when two or three of you gather together, there I am in your name. There's something about coming together. Yes, I know God, I'm a temple of God, he lives in me by his spirit. The Bible says, I am a temple of God. The Bible also says, I'm a living stone, among with other believers which make up the temple. At the same time, both of these things are true. And so we're in this tension of, we're not called to be an island, we're not called to isolation. But but I'm not going to depend on other people for my relationship with God. I'm not going to. I'm not going to develop a sort of weird dependency where, oh no, we didn't meet this week, I couldn't pray. It's just unhealthy. You don't want that to happen. Or, oh well, we didn't meet this week, so you know my whole life fell apart. Hold on. <laughs> I thought you had access to the presence of God. And there are these two things that we need to hold together as we go into this series. You know, the Bible, talk, the New Testament, which is a, the smaller part of the Bible, the bit written after Jesus came, mentions the, the term one another 108 times. Says a lot about one another. Christian life is about a whole lot more than just going to meetings, listening to sermons, and going home. We work this out with one another. So we want to look at that and get that tension right and make sure. maybe the key is in terms of that tension is that we meet with one another and point each other to Jesus. Maybe that's the key. I'm not pointing you to me, don't, don't point me to you. Let's, let's point each other to Jesus. Let's help one another develop a robust relationship with the Lord where we learn to work things through with him and pray. But we're encouraging one another in that. Does that make sense? So we want to look at this. Now, here's the foundation. The foundation is this. God is community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God has never known isolation. God is one. The Lord our God is one. But that oneness is expressed or, or exists in a community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So uh, the word even used there in, in the Hebrew for one doesn't denote absolute oneness, but a plurality within oneness. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is community. And so when God makes people in his image, he makes them for community. He makes them to know how to fellowship with one another and work out good relationships. This is the heart of God. Isolation is a horrible thing. The Bible says that the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion. You ever seen the nature programs where the lion tries to get, you know, they, they look at this pack of wildebeest or gazelles or whatever, and they're trying to, which one's getting isolated? Let's, let's, let's cut it off, then we can pounce. The darkness works in terms of isolation. To get you isolated. God is not into isolation. It's really important we understand this is serious, important stuff. In fact, if you read Genesis, you see that the first sin led to division. Adam and Eve were one, together, naked, unashamed. Then they sin and they start blaming one another. There it, is. See, it leads to isolation. The second sin comes out of isolation. Cain and Abel are brothers. There's envy. There's jealousy. And then Cain kills Abel and God says, where's your brother? And he's, this phrase, it rings out. It's a frightening phrase. He says, how should I know? Am I my brother's keeper? Well, it's an important question. Am I my brother's keeper? Well... When you start saying like that, as if, of course not, you've, you've missed something. You've missed something. This is what sin does. It isolates. It divides. To know and be known, I think, is our greatest desire and our greatest fear. <laughs> we want to know, don't we? And we want to be known. We want to be in that kind of community with others. We long for it. We need it. And yet it's also our greatest fear. Will you still love me if you really knew me? And all of that sort of, all those questions can grow in our hearts and we cannot be sure, really. Let me say this to you. Jesus bore the curse of isolation, so we don't need to. The Bible says that he redeemed us from the curse by becoming a curse for us. Now, in that context, it's talking particularly about the law, but I tell you, there's so many curses of sin. One of them is isolation. You You just get isolated. Jesus went to the cross alone. He cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Utterly alone. He's bearing our curse of isolation so we can be brought in. He's on the outside being rejected so we can know what it is to be accepted in the beloved. See, Jesus has done that, he's broken that curse. We haven't got to live under that. We haven't got to come under that, right? Jesus, is, Jesus has won something very much better for that. So there's great comfort, great comfort in community. You think, wow, this is gospel blessing. This is what Jesus has brought for me. Yeah. Overcoming our fears. Every time you overcome fear, of knowing and being known, you step out one more further out of the shadows. Every time you take that step, your mind is renewed that little bit more. And you realise, I've been listening to lies. And you realise the devil's got a loud roar, but if, and listen, if you don't agree with him, all he's got is the roar. Only when you start agreeing with him and coming under that, that you start to feel the, the bite. But he's just got a roar. Do you know what? Jesus has got a voice like thunder. Let that voice ring out. Let that voice have the final say. Because when you do, you feel, wow, I'm being transformed here. Why? Because you're trusting him and your mind's getting renewed. It's powerful spiritual stuff. But it's not, it doesn't just bring comfort. Being together brings synergy. This is how the dictionary defines synergy. It says, the interaction or cooperation of two or more organisations, substances or other agents to produce a combined effect greater than the sum of their separate effects. What does that mean? Basically this, when we get together in Christ, Something more than me and you happens. Something more than just me and you happens. When you gather in my name, I'm with you. There's a synergy. Ever tried praying alone? You just think, you know what? I'm I just, I'm under it here. And you call someone in and you pray together and you just go through it. It's part of God's provision for us. It's part of God's provision for us. Now, our story as a church is this. We've got four particular challenges when it comes to doing this well. Number one, we live in a part of the world that's individualistic. We don't think we, we think I. Okay, That's how we think, that's our culture. It's not a biblical way of thinking. So when I'm reading Ephesians, my default is, I think Paul's writing to me. He's not, he's writing to me and my church. He's writing to the community. But we think I instead of we. So we need help there. It's a challenge for us. Challenge number two, we live in a cold part of the world. It's a challenge. People who live in cold parts of the world are much less sociable. They spend most of the year hiding away. <laughs> it has an impact on culture. It impacts the kind of culture, the kind of people you are. They tend to be more just. You know, you know how to hibernate. You know. But you just you can just do some studies on that in terms of sociology. You will see that the the more north you get, the more isolated people get. Thirdly, we don't live in a religious part of the world, really. So stopping to sort of pray. An hour of prayer. You read the Bible, to say, well, at the hour of prayer, we went to the temple. It's just built into the fabric of society. We're going to pray now. We don't have that. You start doing that, you know, there's going to be some eyebrows raised. There's going to be some questions asked. It takes effort to build div- intentional devotion into your lifestyle because we don't live in a society that operates like that. And then fourthly, we are busy. <laughs> London equals Busy. And so time is always a challenge for us. So we've got four challenges we've got to look at as we work through this series. I'm sure we'll look at some of these things and try and find a way through. But we, are, we must be committed to making a climate that is conducive for growth, right? And the Lord's plan is not stagnation, but growth. That we grow into the image so that our lives look more and more like Jesus's. So that who we are becomes more and more Christ-like. And that's what we've got to be committed to that. We've got to do the work to get there, I would say my observations from conversations and things is that currently at the moment in our church, um, the running partners that are happening or among the whole church is probably about twenty five percent of us, maybe less, are in fruitful, effective running partnerships. So we're not doing great. Okay, it's not a criticism. Not being mean, just being honest. <laughs> many people aren't in running partnerships. Many people are in ones that, that some people are in ones that just feel a bit like one way. Either giving all the time or just receiving. It's meant to be two-way. Um, many people think oh, it's great on paper, but we never meet. Um, or, you know, there's, there's all there's, In terms of people that say this is really working well, probably about 25%, maybe less. So we've got a little bit of work to do there, um, but I'm up for a bit of work if you are. Um, we've got to get it good because um, we've got, we got, uh, we got a spread uh, from the autumn term, from October, there's going to be a season where our conventional gospel, uh, our, our gospel communities will not be meeting in a conventional way for a period. So we're going we're gonna to strip back on the conventional midweek meeting to do some specific training tracks across the church, try and do some equipping. So during that season, the fact that our running partners are strong are going to be key, right? Because otherwise we could find that there's some, you know, negative effects from that. So we've got to do some work on that between now, um, and October. And the series, I'm going to be a little bit provocative in places, going to throw some things up in the air. This is a season for asking questions, work it through with your friends. We did gospel community leaders. This is a, this is a season we are now starting officially today of asking questions and throwing it up in the air and finding a way through to fruitfulness. We must get, be committed to fruitfulness. We really do. It's, it's, it's the plan of God for our lives. He said, Jesus said, It glorifies the Father when you bear much fruit, and it shows you really are my disciples. This is, this is really important that we, that we get into this. So, okay. Um, Acts 2, verse 42. We're going to just focus really on one main thing today um, by way of introduction. Very famous verse, talking about the early church. The Holy Spirit's been poured out. All kinds of great things are happening. And it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. I'll read that again. They devoted themselves. It's a strong word. It means heart level. Heart level devotion. It's not just, oh, we better? Oh, Okay, they said it from the front. Heart level, Holy Spirit-inspired devotion to the apostles' teaching, which would be Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. Today, we're going to look at fellowship. What is it? Because essentially, what we're doing, what we're doing with running partners, we're saying we're learning how to fellowship. That's really you're, you're blowing nose. I thought it was my book falling off. I was like, it was your blowing nose. So great sound effects. Um, so there are four main comp- yeah there are four main components to fellowship. Okay, we're going to look at because um, my observation is this is that people often confuse fellowship with friendship. It's not the same thing. Friendship is somewhere you get over a period of time where you've been through some stuff, you've walked through some things together, you get to a place of real affection. And kind of, um, Jesus said to his disciples, He was with them three years, then he said, No longer do I call you servants, I call you friends. Something happened over that period of time whereby they, they, through what they went through, their hearts were joined. They got to a point where the relationship had moved to friendship. And praise God when fellowship becomes friendship, but it's not the same thing. Um, I'll give an example. When I first became a Christian, I got I got put in. Well, I got put. I went started going to a church where really there was no one there I could relate to. Um, I, I've got a bit posher over the years, but when I became a Christian 25 years ago, yeah, yeah, yeah this is posh for me. When I became a Christian 25 years ago. I was a novelty because I would drop my T's when I spoke. I would say water instead of water. And everyone would sort of politely go, "oh" because there was no one in the church that did that. And it was like, oh, who's this guy? And I would wear bandanas and uh, baggy trousers. And I was really cool. And um, there was many cool people around. But part of what was going on was, was that also there was, I guess I was hanging out with some believers and all the believers my age, they weren't like me. They, hadn't, they weren't street like me. Um, <laughs> um, they were different kind of people. And... and and so I just got thrown together with this guy who, Jimmy C. Now, we became James Casey, but, you know, Jimmy C, right? He, he got street in the end. But we, <laughs> this is the 90s guys, all right, bear with me. But um, we would do youth work together. I had a real heart for the youth, and, and, and I did too. And, and he, he was basically in charge of me, but we would kind of work together, reaching out to, to youth. And he wound me up. He really used to annoy me badly, And uh, because he was he was he was spiritually intense, and I wasn't at that point. (laughs) Well, I was. I come to know Jesus, but I didn't know how these things worked. He would say "Come on, let's go to the early morning praying tomorrow. You can stay over at my house, okay? You know, we did not have much to talk about. He he'd left school at sixteen and started working in a bank. Um, I was, I think, I was still a barman at that stage. I I can't remember, but it was. We had, you know, we had nothing. We had nothing in common really, except Jesus. Except Jesus." And what happened was, we just kind of, we walked through that first year or two, and it was a bit tense at times. I remember he would do things like he would pull me up on things. I hated it. I hated it. I wasn't used to it. He would do it well, but he, I hated it. Why? It's horrible being <laughs> corrected. You know, naturally, you don't like it. And he would say, you know, when you said that, I just wonder if I'd be like, defensive. But over time, we, beca- we became mates. He was my best man. I was his best man. We be- we're mates now. Something's happened over that time. But it wasn't friendship, It it was fellowship. So if, you, if, you, if you're thinking, oh, I want to be in a running partner, but I, I, can't, I don't know who my friends are, don't start a friendship. You might get there, praise God, if you do. Friendship's a beautiful thing, and we all want to have friends. You know, It gets to a point when you're friends, you can just waste time together. Just be in each other's company, not do anything. It's friendship. It's great when, when those things get there. But it, all relationships may not end up there. That's okay. But if we get into that mentality, they've got to be, you're, 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 you're putting the bar somewhere where the Lord isn't putting it. It's fellowship. So what is fellowship? There's four things, essentially, um, that, that fellowship is. Number one, firstly, it is relationship. It is relationship. You think, but what if you've got nothing in common? Uh, Jesus. Now, <laughs> I don't want to be like, facetious, but if, if Jesus is your number one and Jesus is that person's number one, well, you might not have anything else in common, but the thing that's most important to you, you have in common. So the good thing about that is, is you're going to talk about Jesus. Because you've got nothing else to talk about. There's <laughs> 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 something quite healthy about that. Things will build over time. You'll have some memories and history and stuff, but you talk about Jesus. Now, actually, that, that's quite normal. I mean, you know, it's, think about, uh, I guess, an illustration is, is that, you know, if, you're, if, if, if I meet an Arsenal fan... And I'm an Arsenal fan, and I'm an Arsenal fan, but we might not have anything in common. We're going to be talking about and Wenger at the moment because there's something going on with Arsenal there. We're going to talk about it. If there's a relationship built on that. Common, it's, a common, it's something we've got in common. You can build a relationship with something you've got in common. And you're following Jesus. You've got plenty, plenty, plenty. You, so you've got a relationship because you've got Jesus in common, number one. That's an important part of fellowship. Number two, partnership. Partnership's a really important New Testament word. Listen to what Paul says to the church in Philippi. It's really quite powerful. Now, he's got, he says, I long for you with Christ's affection. I mean, there's friendship. This is friendship talk. He loves these guys. But listen, it's not just, listen to what he says. He says, I thank God, my God, in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. Because of your partnership. And then later on, he says, he says, He says, uh, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I might hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. You're about something together. You know, when you're in partnership, you are about an enterprise together. You're about something bigger than yourself. Now, here's here's the thing. This is a really important deal here. When you become a Christian, it's really important that you notice. If you're here today, you maybe you're not a believer, you're thinking, what's it about being a Christian? There is a purpose. There is, if you're here as a Christian, but you feel purposeless, there is a purpose. The purpose is this. It is God's plan to unite everything in the whole of creation underneath Jesus. That's what God is about. He's bringing everything under the Lordship of Christ. So when you come to know the Lord, it starts with you, your heart, your mind, your will. You line up under the Lordship of Christ, and that brings liberty. That brings joy. That brings true life, because that's what you were made for. And then together with others, you go about talking about Jesus, introducing Jesus by the way that you live to others. And you, basically what you're doing is you are giving everyone on the planet that you touch opportunity to find out about Jesus. You're not forcing it on anyone, but you're giving everyone opportunity by the way you live and by the way you speak to come to know the one who is truly Lord of all. That's what you're doing. There's a partnership. And so in in fellowship, you've got a relationship with Jesus, but also you're about the same thing. Now, if you're someone who calls yourself a Christian, but ultimately what you're doing is you're doing your thing, you're all about your dreams, and you're just trying to get God to bless it, you're going to really struggle finding Christian fellowship. Because there's no true partnership in the purposes of God. You're still trying to, you still think, you've not matured out of that place of thinking. You're still thinking in a kind of sort of a childish way. You're thinking God's all about making your life easier. He's not. He's about bringing life to the full, but it's not actually about you. It's about him. And, And the whole time we keep thinking it's about us, we always have that scratch that we can't quite reach. Why isn't this working? Because you've got the the starting point is all wrong. Your story is not the main story. His story is the main story. You're not the hero. He is. And so it's only when you realise that and you say, okay, I better be about what God's doing. Then you can start to partner with other Christians and you, you walk in step. Now, the way you express it, you might have really different spiritual gifts from your running partner. God's put you in different places. It's a different context and all of that in terms of workplace and whatever else. But you're about the same thing. There's a glorious diversity to it, but it's fundamentally the same thing, making Jesus known. Does that make sense? So there's partnerships really important that you say, well, we're partnered in the gospel. We're partnered in the purposes of God. That's what's going on there. The third thing is communication. That in fellowship, you learn the art of listening carefully. Not just smiling and thinking, when's it my turn? Nodding. Listening carefully. So you know how to pray. So you can be open to the Holy Spirit giving your word. And then speaking truthfully in love. Speaking about your own struggles. Being honest and authentic. Speaking gospel truth lovingly and caringly. At times when it's appropriate, gently. Just bringing a little correction saying, you know what, you said that, but... I wonder if you're seeing it straight and just helping communication. So it's very intentional. This this is a very, very intentional thing. It's not. It's not. Um, let's just kill some time. We have a relationship with Jesus. That's what we have in common. We're about. We're in partnership about the gospel, and then we're going to really help one another in terms of the way we communicate. As I was preparing this, I felt the Holy Spirit just drop in one of those words for maybe one or two individuals here. Well, you're just from a very, very non-communicative family. People don't, you just don't really talk. And you know it and you're thinking, I could never do that. I want you to know, you know, the Bible says that the blood of Jesus, it rescues us from inherited ways, family ways that are futile. And all of us bring things into the kingdom from our family that aren't good. All of us do. Do you know Jesus rescues you from that? Did you know that? We never said, oh, I love you growing up. We never said that; just wasn't part of the culture. I'd say I love you, growing up, and I determined, you know, that when I, if if it was God's plan for me to be married and have children, that we would say that to each other. And we, we do, and it's and it's very easy and very natural. But to say that to my parents, still, you have to every time I say it, I have to walk over a line. You know, you know, in, inside. But I just think, have oh, we got to break? We got we got to crack that one. And so we do it now, we say it now, and it's it's reciprocal, and it's good, and every time it's a little easier. It's a small thing, but actually the small things make the big things, right? There's things we bring in, you think, I could never do that. Oh, who says that? Jesus? Probably not Jesus. Probably just your own ideas or thoughts. You know, come on, there's so much for us. I mean, transformation's a scary thing, because you're constantly stepping over things, you think, I'm not sure I can do this. But then you do it, and you, and you start saying things like, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me," because you realize, do you know what? I can." And your mind gets renewed as you step over those lines. your mind, you, you see it, your revelation comes. So communication. And then fourthly, stewardship. here's what I mean. All of us have natural like resources. We have resources, whether that's in like money or stuff or whether it's spiritual gifts or whether it's just particular strengths we've got, none of those things are our own. They've been entrusted to us by God. We're stewards. They're not mine. Okay, They've been entrusted to me by God to be used for his glory. And so in running partnership, I'm a steward of what I've got for that that person, for those people. I'm a steward there. We steward what God's given to us so we can bless one another. Someone hits a tough season, you say, "What, what can we do? It's fellowship. That's what you see in the early church. They're committed to one another. They're, they're giving and they're, they're, they're pouring themselves out for each other. Why? Because they recognize I've been entrusted with some stuff for the, for the glory of God and the good of those God's put in my life. It's a generous attitude. So that's what fellowship looks like. Number one, relationship, partnership, communication, and stewardship. Now to just sort of come in to sort of land a bit now, I will say this. In many of these situations, friendship will grow out of that. Okay? But you can start the journey of fellowship. Jesus called 12 to be with him. Three years later, he says, I'm calling your friends. But he called 12. He didn't know them. And, and, but, but he saw something in them. He knew God had put them together. And I just think, you know, you can trust someone. You might not know them well, but you can trust. You, that God can grace you to just trust people to be able to share on an authentic level. As time goes on, you might even share other more detailed things. But you can, you can start an authentic journey of fellowship before you know someone well. And then as trust grows and builds, you maybe you know, you take it level deeper with the sharing as it goes. Now, this basically helps us to avoid two ditches that running partnerships can fall in. Number one, unintentionality. <laughs> so you make so much effort to make time to get together, meet together in busy London, and then when you meet up, you don't actually get down to it. It's superficial. No one says or hears anything that's going to make the blindest bit of difference in their life. God help us. God rescue us from that. That's, that doesn't even make sense. That's crazy. You know, you've, you've managed to find a time where all three of you can be in the same room at the same time. You've only got an hour and you spend the first 40 minutes cracking jokes. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's not the best use of time. You see what I'm saying? I'm not trying to create a really intense church. I'm not. But I'm saying you've got to be intentional because like, there's stuff to talk about, right? <laughs> I don't know about you. There's stuff I need prayer for. There's people I'm praying for, I want you to join with me and pray for them, they'd get saved. There's stuff I feel God's speaking to me about in His Word. I just, I just wanted to say, do you think, are you seeing this too? Is that what's in there? It's an intentional time. And so and I think if there's this pressure of we've got to be best friends, you know what I mean? You can kind of create something It's just it's this pressure of, let's hang out. Well, you can, I'm sure over time you probably will start hanging out, but you haven't got to start with that. Just say, right, so. Well, over the next four weeks, I'll talk about some of the things we can do in a bit more detail, but you don't, let's not let, use the hour well. If you're meeting for an hour, time is precious. That's the first ditch you're rescued from. The second ditch is exclusivity. This thing of, well, we're on a good thing here, us, we don't want to let anyone else in on it. That can happen in a running partnership. You hit a sweet spot and you just you want to protect it. Now, what am I going to say about that? Well, I think, I think that we've got to... If you don't let if, if all the good running partnerships in the church don't let anyone in has anyone else that comes in going to learn how to do it well but if you're a if you're partnering in the gospel and you know that what that is is about is about God bringing everyone under Christ and making disciples then your heart changes and you say we must bring people in so that they can be exposed to this amazing thing God's doing among us and then maybe if we grow and multiply they've been taught in it they can do a good one themselves. And then you get a culture of healthy multiplication in the church rather than this sort of almost selfish guarding of something because it's so good, so nice, we have such good times. Now, I, I, know, I'm, I know I'm rattling a few cages here. I know that. Um, but I actually think it's really important that we, that we realize that, that we don't allow something that is th- to become ultimately self serving. It's great when something's a blessing. But ultimately, it's to be Christ-glorifying. And that must have built into it growth, expansion, multiplication. Because Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. That's why we're here. If, if we weren't doing that, then Jesus would just come again and take us to be with him. But there's something to be getting on with. And he said, until until every people group's heard the message, I'm not coming back. So that's the, that's, that's, there's a main aim going on here that we've got to do well. Um, And here's, here's, I'm going to end on this, because this is, why should I? (laughs) Why why should I? Why should I let anyone else in? Jesus praying before he goes to the cross. Listen to what he says. I don't ask for these only. He's been praying for the 12. And he said, don't ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. It's Jesus praying for us now. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, listen, that they also may be in us. What's Jesus doing? Jesus is going, this is such a sweet thing, Father. <laughs> we've known it for eternity. It's, it's the most precious thing in, 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 in all of our, in, all of our in, in our soul. This is what we love and long for. And then he goes, and he welcomes us in. You think, what? are we going to ruin it? Well, we've, yeah, we've done some stupid things over the last 2,000 years. This is just, that running partnership was sweet. <laughs> Then we got involved. It's been a bit bumpier since, isn't it? You see what I'm getting at? It's the gospel. It's the gospel. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in perfect community. Humanity rebels against God. What does God do at that point? This is extraordinary. If you've ever been rejected, if you've ever been betrayed, this is extraordinary. What do you do at that point? What is your natural instinct? Is to hurt back, kick back, withdraw, isolate. What does he do? He gives his one and only son. What a response. He goes after us in love, not even in vengeance. He goes after us in love to make a way for mercy and grace to come into our life, to cleanse us from sin and and then not just kind of patch us up, but to draw us into his very family. It's the gospel. This is what he's done. And then he's he's created a community to pattern itself on the gospel. And so God says, come on, please learn how to be big. (laughs) Learn how to be big. And I will also say this, occasionally just one more little thing to motivate, to push you over the edge, a little bit of selfish motivation. (laughs) Oftentimes, when things reach their sweetest, when you try and hold on to them in that form, it's it's the most foolish thing you can do. They tend to then go mouldy. There's an optimum point things reach. And very often at that point, the best thing to do is to throw it all up in the air and go again. You ride the new wave, keep it fresh. So beware that false security of this is so the thing, and you hold on to it in an inappropriate way. And then suddenly something happens, life happens, circumstances happen, that person moves, who knows what, and it has to change. But it's not coming from a place of faith. It's just, and then you spend the next year wondering why you've kind of you've been hamstrung by it. Let's avoid that and say, Do you know what, this isn't about me, and I'm going to trust that as I as we go for this and serve Jesus. That this is going to be the most fulfilling, thrilling ride I could ever have. That's the, that's the purpose of God for us. So, I hope you all still like me. <laughs> response. I was praying about the response. So what we, how do we respond to this? I just felt like, for some of you, there's just a fresh thing. The four components of, of, of fellowship. Relationship, partnership, communication, And stewardship, there's a challenge in each of those, isn't there? In each of those, there's a challenge. Relationship. Is my relationship with Jesus real and alive enough for me to be able to find a relationship with someone who I have nothing in common with except Jesus? I want to commit to investing in my relationship with Jesus. There's a challenge there. challenge for partnership is, am I still trying to get God to just bless my story and I still think it's the main story, or am I going to get caught up in God's story? And partner with others who are doing the same thing. Third thing is, am I going to learn to listen well? Am I going to learn to walk out of non-communication, to make myself vulnerable, to speak the truth in love? Am I going to embrace communication and fourthly stewardship? Am I going to hold what is given me? Or am I going to be thinking, how, how do I share this? Because this is what the gospel looks like. And I just wanted to just give a moment where literally people can just make a stand before God, say, this is a moment, Lord, I want to respond in one or more of those areas where I say, Lord, I really want to freshly today commit to fellowship. I don't, I don't want to be stubborn. I don't, want to, I don't want to just dig my heels in. I really want to go for this. Just a moment before God. And um, So if that's you, you think, yep, yeah, I, I want to straighten one of those things out today. I want to make a stand in one of those areas. Um, and as you stand before God in just a moment, then I want you to also think through concrete steps. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What's the next step? And work through with your gospel community leaders these things. They've been, we've spoken to them in preparation for this series. We said, look, come alongside your people. Um, if you're a gospel community leader, you can still stand. You know, please don't get into that thing where only, you know, don't stand if you're a leader. I mean, I'm, you know, stand, 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 stand. We all need constantly help and sharpening. So, if you want to respond to one of those things, please stand where you are. I'm going to pray for you. I just feel as we're standing now. There's, 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 just there's some here. The Holy Spirit's really. He's, he's it's the isolation thing. It's just all you. It's, it's either all you've ever known, or for whatever reason you've just kind of gone into that a bit. And the Lord really wants to, really wants to just. I just feel the joy of the Lord as some people are really stepping out of stepping out of the shadows of isolation. I feel the Lord wants to say to you. Some of you have stood, and the Lord says to you prophetically, "You have what you are doing now is." What, it feels like the most fearful thing. This is the safest thing you've done in a long time. I feel the Lord wants to say that to you. There's something here that's just going to break that fear that's sitting over you. The Lord says, you are walking into safety. This is what you are doing. Even though there's vulnerability and it feels that like you're walking to safety. The Bible says that he who isolates himself um, seeks his own desire and breaks out against all sound judgment. I mean Proverbs 18 verse 1. It's not good. You've taken a step today. Praise God. So Father... But before I pray, you just you just you just stand before God. Just tell tell the Lord why you're standing. You 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 tell him, you you I'm gonna just pray a blanket prayer in a minute, but you just verbalise, vocalise, all at the same time. Just ver- tell the Lord why you're standing, what it is you're asking him to do. It's so important that you you do business with him on this thing. So we'll just let's all just vocalize together. Don't worry about who's next to you. Let's all do that together. Jesus. Sorry. Thank you, Jesus. Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pray, Lord, you bring real peace and joy in the room. I pray you bring real peace and joy in the room. Lord, we just want to say, I just feel it's important that we say, that we Lord, your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And Lord, it's not just standing up because we ought to or we have to, Lord, but we've seen today, we see. Thank you, you help us to see a better way. You help us to see things. It's like, ah, this will do my soul so much more good than than what I thought. You reveal that, Holy Spirit. And I just pray for real joy. Pray for peace. I pray for and a sense of adventure, and anticipation, Lord. That it would just pray that real sense of adventure would just come from you. Know, you're so adventurous, Lord. You're so exciting to be around. I just pray, Lord, that you'd begin to impart that into hearts. That it would feel like a real, a real, um, a real turning point for many in terms of this whole area. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that. It's like when we step when we step onto those things, it's like we step onto those walkways and airports that just travel, you know, they just go forward and you just think, How am I making this much ground? We're just, we just because we agree with the Lord, there's a grace that kicks in. He just moves us forward. He just you haven't got to, it's not a conundrum you've got to figure out. You just trust in the Lord, right? And He's He's gonna just open up so many things for us. So thank you for all you're doing among us, Lord. Thank you for you have such a great future for us, Lord. Thank you so much. We love being caught up with what you're doing. I pray, Lord, just keep helping us to not to fear. We just say, let perfect love just keep coming in coming in, driving out fear. Let perfect love, Lord, just keep driving it out. In Jesus' name, help us take the little steps, the tiny little steps, I pray. Little, you, know, every, you, know, you do a little step before God. God sees it. God sees you stepping over a mountain. Right? He, knows, he knows it. He knows what you're doing, right? And he will be around you, and he's got your back, and he will bless you. And you haven't got to worry, right? So just these little steps, they are huge to him. And he sees what goes on in the heart. He sees in the in the invisible realm. So you can be so confident today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Let's sing to the Lord.